Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doylestown Presbyterian Church. It's clear these days it's tough to make time. Schedules quickly become busy and calendars suddenly become full. To that end, DPC is excited to now offer this podcast channel, which will allow you to hear a recording of Sunday's sermon from that day's preacher. Whether you listen while taking an evening stroll, driving to and from the grocery store, or anytime you get a free couple of minutes, we hope it can allow for reflection and spiritual growth during your week. We also invite you to visit www.dtownpc.org to learn more about our church, our various ministries, and online giving opportunities. Thank you for tuning in. Let us remember with joy our own baptism as we celebrate now this sacrament. Every time there's a baptism at DPC, those words are offered as part of the liturgy. They come towards the end of the opening comments by the assisting pastor, and then is immediately followed by the sponsoring elder who will introduce the child or children to the congregation. It doesn't matter whether the one receiving the waters of baptism is an infant or a teenager or adult, as we begin with those words every time, not simply as an act of tradition, but rather as an invitation to all who are present in that occasion to remember their own baptism, even as they witness the latest one. Now, clearly, someone who was baptized as an infant, and there have been 165 occasions when I've been privileged to officiate at such baptisms here, that baptismal candidate will have to rely upon some faded photograph or upon the memories of parents or others who were present that day. A teenager who is baptized here, and there have been 11 such occasions for me over the years, will certainly remember more about that experience, perhaps including how nervous they were as they waited for that time in the service. And an adult who was baptized, and there have been nine moments like that in my tenure here, the oldest of whom was 68 years old at the time. In those moments, clearly, they have greater memory about what occurred. And yet, since clearly I did not officiate at the baptism of all of you, we are inviting, yet again, those who are present in our sanctuary and those joining us online to remember with joy your own baptism as we celebrate now this sacrament. As part of that remembrance today, I'd like to focus on something in particular about baptism and really get to the root of it, namely why it is that we baptize at all. Why is it that parents present their children to receive the waters of baptism? Why is it that a teenager, as part of the confirmation class, will decide to be baptized too? Why is it that someone who is an adult will choose to receive those waters for her or himself. Certainly there can be all kinds of reasons. And if persons are candid, I suspect there would be some times when parents would admit that they are bringing their children for baptism because of pressure from a spouse or in-laws, 
There can be times when teenagers might acknowledge that they are being baptized only because they know they have to take that step to join the church. And there could be times when adults choose to be baptized themselves because they know that unless they are, they cannot present their own child for baptism. Without a doubt, there are many, many other occasions when persons who are receiving the water or when their children are being presented experience the deep spiritual significance of taking that step. And yet, everything that we humans do, including a spiritual act like that one, can occur with mixed reasoning. And it's part, I think, of what might happen as you remember your own baptism. And yet, I'd like to back up even further than that and focus on the larger question of why is it that the church baptizes? I do so thinking that that might help you in your own kind of remembrance of your baptism, and also maybe to help you understand something of the church's own understanding of that event. So, quite simply, why do we baptize? Well, the most basic answer is because Jesus commanded it. Among the final things that Jesus said, part of what we refer to as the Great Commission, came when he said to his remaining disciples, go therefore into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so ever since that moment, followers of Jesus Christ have baptized the next generation of believers. Now, it happens in a variety of ways. Some are baptized by immersion or by sprinkling of water. Some have their baptism occur in a lake or a stream, using water from a baptismal pool or font. There's differing understandings of who can offer and who can receive the waters of baptism, and a question about how many times the same person can be baptized. There's all kinds of diversity within the Christian traditions but every group that follows Jesus Christ baptizes. And the most basic reason of all that we do is because we are demonstrating our response to his word. And yet, I think there is something else that goes on in baptism too. And the passage of scripture that we heard moments ago points to it. It tells of the time when John the Baptist is emerged and is offering a baptism of repentance. And the crowds were responding, and John was so passionate about what he was doing that some began to wonder and ask him if he was the long-awaited Messiah. John knew that his role was to prepare the way for Jesus. And so he very clearly, as we heard in our passage, said, there's one coming after me that's more powerful than I, I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. And a few verses later, we hear of the moment when Jesus is baptized by John. Luke doesn't tell us that it was John, but all the other gospel writers do. And how after that moment, the Holy Spirit descended in the bodily form of a dove and God is heard to speak to Jesus and say, You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. 
all the gospel writers to varying degrees with varying details tell of that story, but Luke does something unlike all the others. For after that word of af- before that word of affirmation from God and after that word of explanation about who is the true Messiah, Luke tells us that Herod, the ruler, because he had been rebuked by God, by John, because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of other evil that he had done, Herod locked John up in prison. Now, we are told elsewhere in the Gospels about the evil that Herod Antipas, for this was not the same Herod who had been king during Jesus' birth, but rather his son. We are told of what Herod Antipas had done and of how he arrested John and eventually had him put to death. But historically, that happened after the baptism. And yet Luke has it occur right before Jesus receives the waters. Now, in the lectionary, which is that ecumenical tool that suggests scripture readings for every Sunday of the year, it offers the introduction about John, and then it skips over this account about Herod and moves to Jesus' baptism because, I think, it's hard to explain in terms of a historical sequence and that Luke clearly had it out of order. And yet, I think it's a helpful word for us of understanding why it is that we baptize still. For like John the Baptist, we live in an era when there are those who don't want to hear about the teachings of Jesus. Like John, there are those who want to use their power to silence any voice that challenges what they do. Like the baptizer, we live in a time when there are those who want to do whatever they choose to do without ever hearing a contrary word, whereas baptism, the choice to baptize, tells a different narrative. There's a book called Wholehearted Faith that was published two years after the untimely death of its author, Rachel Held Evans. She died at the age of 37. In the book, she describes growing up in a fundamentalist Christian tradition and how beginning with early adulthood, start challenging that for herself until she reached the place where she came to understand that, that the core of the Christian faith was to be revealed in the love of God extended toward us and how we care for one another. That conclusion did not come easily for her. It resulted in people that had grown up with her rejecting her because felt that she had left the faith behind. But in this book, she offers that that glimpse and in her creative writing style, speaks of how it all came together for her as she thought about baptism. I'm a Christian, she says, because my baptism has declared that I am a beloved child of God. There is no failure, no sin, no accomplishment, no success that can change that. In a culture that prizes independence and individualism, she says, Christianity offers an uncomfortable but necessary and insoluble interdependence. The church 
by which I mean not just the congregation into which I was baptized or the one that I now call home, but rather the universal church that shares one baptism is a whole network of people spanning 2,000 years and every continent and culture on the globe who love and pray and believe on one another's behalf. For me, she continues, the strange and ancient ritual of baptism reveals something at the heart of Christian identity. First and foremost, we are beloved children of God, blessed by layer upon layer of love. Wherever my child's faith and lives may take them, even if it's away from the tradition in which we are raising them, they will know that the act of baptism took place because they were, perhaps clumsily, and undoubtedly imperfectly loved. It was one way in which we, as parents, said to our children, you are my child in whom I am well pleased. It was one way in which we, as parents, recognized that God had said, and we hope will say of us, you are my child, my beloved, with you I am well pleased. Baptism, she concludes, like communion and confession and the creeds, reminds us that we cannot be Christians on our own. We belong to a community even larger than the one gathered around those rickety folding tables in the fellowship hall, weighed down with jello molds and deviled eggs. It's a family of faith bound together by the same Holy Spirit through whom Christ was conceived and the same Holy Spirit who descended from the heavens like a dove. On this day, as we baptize yet again, certainly in part because Jesus calls for us to do so, may it also be a moment in which each one of us recall and claim as fact God's unbreakable love for us. Knowing that when we do that, truly, we will remember with joy our own baptism as we celebrate once again this sacrament. Amen. Thank you for joining us on your journey of faith. Don't forget to check out www.dtownpc.org to explore all the ways DPC strives to be a bridge for Christ and a beacon of his love.